0: Good morning. We come to the point where we're going to read uh, from the Word of God, uh, and we're turning to John chapter 1. Uh, Those of you who are eagle-eyed will realize that Ian was down to speak this morning, uh, but he's uh, taken unwell and is not able to be with us today. So we'll remember Ian and his his family in our prayers just now for his recovery. So let's uh, read from John 1 and at verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Amen. May God's word uh, touch our hearts uh, today. So here we have two uh, further men. Uh, Philip and Nathaniel, and uh, they are called to follow the Lord Jesus. And this little band of of men is being gradually built up, those who are going to be uh, the disciples of the Lord Jesus. They, They find him, and they begin to follow him. It's interesting, as we can see here, that Andrew, Peter, and Philip actually all come from the same little fishing village. Uh, Jesus has traveled up north away from the kind of big hub of uh, civilization up to the rural backwaters of Galilee. And it is remarkable when you think about it that the majority of those who actually formed the disciples of Christ came from these little rural places away up in the north. And they were the ones who followed him. I think there is something in that, you know. I mean, it's often the case that when Jesus goes to the influential people, And the bigwigs, you know, their pride gets in the way. And they're resistant to him. They feel threatened by him. And yet here are these people who just take things at face value. And as the scripture says, you know, look at yourselves. Not many wise were called. Because God has chosen to humble the wise in his presence so that nobody will boast in his presence. And so these, these, these country people from these fishing villages are the ones that come uh, to know the Lord Jesus. And the message to them is follow me. Follow me. And that sums up the very essence of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. They followed. And as they followed, they listened. And as they followed, They observed. And as they followed, they took in everything that Christ was about. And they learned from that. And and that is for us today the very essence of being a disciple of Christ. You know, these men eventually were told by Christ, commissioned to go into the, the whole world and to make disciples from all the nations. And therefore the principle holds for us today as well to, to follow Christ and to become like Christ. It also carries with it, of course, the sense of no turning back. You know, we're we we now following Christ. And uh, on one occasion, Peter said, Lord, you know, we, we, we've left everything so that we can follow you. And, and that was true. And Jesus told him, you won't regret it. You know, because there's nobody who has left, you know, even father and mother for my sake and the gospel. You know, and in the world to come, he will receive much more. God will never be in your debt. God will bless you for what you have left. But tied up with being a disciple is the whole idea of, of leaving so that you can follow Christ and not to turn back. Jesus said, you know, if you really want to be my disciple, what you have to do actually is you have to deny yourself. You have to take up the cross and you have to follow me. You've, you've got to say the old life is finished. You've got to accept the message of the cross as the central thing. And you follow me. And, and that, is the, that is the qualification for being a disciple, a true and a genuine disciple of Christ. And a decision is part of that, but it's not just a one thing that somebody points to in the past and says, you know, I did that, I said that at one point, but it is kind of history for me. Tied in with the whole idea of following is a a constant thing, an ongoing thing. It's quite interesting, actually, when you read through John's Gospel, you realize that there were almost more than one category of disciples. There were some people who were self-styled disciples. For instance, you, to read the narrative in John chapter 6, Jesus is speaking, and his disciples said, this is, this is a hard saying. This, this is a difficult thing that he's teaching. Who, who can really grasp this? And it says that many of his disciples turn back And he didn't walk with him any longer. And he turns to the twelve, and he says to them, those disciples, and will you also go away? And Peter pipes up, good old Peter, and says, you know, Lord, to whom can we go? Where else is there to go? Where possibly could we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And so discipleship is not just in words. Discipleship is a way of life. It's, it's following, continuing to follow that really defines me as being a disciple. So, so these, these men are, are becoming part of that discipleship uh, group. Look at the first thing that Philip does actually in verse 45. It says there that he found Nathaniel, and he said to him, we found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, uh, the son of Joseph. This is, this is the, the same thing as Andrew had done with Peter. He's a brand new convert. And the, virtually the first thing that he does is he in, he's involved in bringing somebody else to Christ. And, you know, the excitement is palpable here, isn't it? It's spilling over. You know, I can't believe what's, what we've discovered here. I can't, I can't believe who we've discovered, the one who has been spoken about in all the law and the prophets, the whole of the Old Testament and its predictions and prophecies were pointing through. And, and here is the culmination of this, in this, this one person. And we, we've discovered him. And you must come and you must meet him as well. And that is the whole thrill of evangelism. You know, it's bringing people to Christ. It was the first thing he did and it is one of the key things for, for any of us who are a disciple of the Lord Jesus. As Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, you know, you've got, you got to keep on doing the work of an evangelist. Sometimes we think of that title and we think of particular individuals or people in a certain setting and they have got that kind of title and name given to them. But all of us are to do the work of an evangelist and to to bring people to Christ with a sense of, personal thrill that hopefully will attract them uh, to to christ we found him now the response of nathaniel was was a little bit uh, underwhelming you know Uh, he wasn't tremendously impressed and what he said was you know can any good thing come out of nazareth is it possible i hear what you're saying i see your excitement I understand uh, that you're, you're upbeat about this, but really, Nazareth—you know—can anything good come out of there? Do I really want to come and see somebody who lives and has been in Nazareth as their background and upbringing? You know, it wasn't just the case that uh, it was a bit of a dump. It wasn't just the fact that you know maybe the the, the buildings were a bit run down and the amenities were poor. It was much more than that. It was the reputation that Nazareth had. It was the kind of things that Nazareth was known for. There was a Roman garrison uh, near Nazareth. And uh, because of the soldiers, you know, things happened. In fact, that is alluded to actually when you read through John's Gospel as far as the criticism of Christ. If you read part of uh, John's Gospel, chapter 8, there's a conversation going on between the intelligentsia, you know, the scribes and the Pharisees, the academics uh, and Jesus, and and, and they're feeling a little bit rattled. And as part of what they they say as they're defending themselves, they say, you know, know, we're Abraham's children. You know, we can can, uh, chart back our pedigree, our ancestry, our background we weren't born out of sexual immorality now what they were talking about was what nazareth was known for with the roman garrison and the soldiers and this whole story about the virgin birth of christ don't give us that we weren't born out of sexual immorality and of course the implication was very clear as to what they were saying about christ nazareth was that kind of place Can anything good, can anyone good come out of Nazareth? You know, criticism is often made of Christ. And uh, we're reminded of the words of the prophet Isaiah, which says that he grew up before God as a root out of a dry ground. That's a tremendously powerful picture, actually, isn't it? Can, Can a root... Can a flower grow out of a dry, ground, arid, waterless, barren, environmentally you know, challenged? Does, is there any natural sustenance that would cause that root to grow? Well, there's nothing that, that was given to Christ from that background, but he grew out of that and he flourished because of who he is. As the king of Israel and the son of God. And, and, and he comes even from that kind of background. And the kind of thing that um, Philip says is, is a very wise response. He doesn't say, well, you know, let, let, let me try and explain what I mean. Uh, no, he, he just says, why don't you just come and see? You know, he, he doesn't say, I've got all the answers He doesn't say, I can can work all of this out for you. But he just says, if you come and you meet him, you will not be disappointed. You would discover for yourself, not just because of what I say, but you will discover for yourself when you meet him for yourself. Now that's one of the great challenges, isn't it, for all of us? To take things on second-hand experience. You know, what a a true disciple is. Somebody who finds and then begins to follow Jesus has a genuine personal experience for themselves. As the Psalms say, we taste and see for ourselves that the Lord is good. And uh, it is for us to be challenged about a personal relationship. In John chapter 4, we'll meet a similar thing as we go through it. The woman at the well she goes into the town and she says to all the people that she knows, you know, come and see a man who, who told me everything that ever I did. He must be the Christ. And they come out and they meet Christ and they actually say to her, you know, we believe, not because you told us, but because we, we've seen and we've heard Him for ourselves and we realize that this is the Savior of the world. Personal contact and experience. Uh, of Christ, You know, that is a wonderful example for any of us to take as we try to introduce people to Christ, is just to say, come and see. Do it for yourself. Take the Bible, read the Bible for yourself. You don't have to latch on to my experience. Just come to the Bible, read the Gospel of John. You know, that's what we're trying to, of course, stimulate with this uh, essentials course that we're going through. It's a tremendous way just to try and encourage people to read the Bible and meet Christ. Come and see for yourself. Now, there is a very interesting point here. Uh, You'll notice that, uh, you know, what Philip says to Nathanael is, you know, we found him. You know, we've, we've made this discovery. We've found him. But I don't know if you noticed in verse 43. That it actually says there that Jesus found Philip. Now, what way round is that? Jesus found Philip, but Philip actually says, We found him. Now, of course, both, both, both things, in a sense, are true. But the point that impressed itself upon me is this that, you know, we may well feel as Christians that we made that discovery of Christ. But but the greater truth is this that all the time when we thought we were searching for him, he was actually searching for us. And and he found us. And the initiative, if you like, the very first step in that finding was one that he took. You know, that Jesus, my Savior, to Bethlehem came. You know, and, and he came. To seek and to save those who are lost. To look for us and to find us. You know, it's the tremendous doctrine, actually, of of election. You know, now, it gets a bit of a bad press. And some people kick it around a wee bit uh, like a theological football. But in its essence, what it means is this. That despite me being disinterested... In Christ, despite me being oblivious to the glorious message of the gospel, Christ was searching for me, and He and He placed His hand upon me when I was when I was on the road to a lost eternity. As, as, as Paul puts it for himself in Philippians three, that that Christ apprehended me, you know as far as Paul was concerned. You know, he was, he was just dead against the gospel. Set his face against the church. Was trying to destroy it. Was prejudiced in his view of the Christians and of Christ. And yet, despite all of that, God had not taken his hand away from him. He, he put his hand upon him and he stopped his descent to hell. And he apprehended him. And it was God's intervention And that gives great reassurance to Christian people. The truth of election. That it's it's up to God rather than me. And God in His goodness sets His love upon me. And makes me His own. And He will hold me fast. And He will never let me go. And He will hold me all the way through to His eternal glory. Because it's all of God. That's what we find here. I might think... That I found him, but actually, he found me. Now, when uh, when Nathaniel comes to meet Christ, and uh, his skepticism changes, and it's greatly to his credit, in fact, that he takes things at kind of face value, without you know holding on to his prejudices of Jesus coming out of uh, the town of, of Nazareth, and uh, You know, there's this bit about, I saw you under the fig tree, and how did you know me? And eventually, you know, he comes to this point of recognizing that that Jesus is the Messiah. Because of this kind of supernatural ability that Jesus knew all about him, despite never having met before. And uh, he comes to recognize and to make this confession about who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. He is the King of Israel. Important for us to make these confessions about who the Lord Jesus actually is. But Jesus says to him, You know, you've believed because of this, but you think that's been a big deal. But there's going to be something even bigger that you're going to see. And he makes this kind of unusual allusion to an Old Testament incident. What he says to him is this. Truly, this is in verse 51, our last verse. You'll see heaven opened. And you'll see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, what does this mean? Well, in a sense, what the Lord Jesus is doing is uh, he's given an example of what, what Philip had said away at the start. Here's the one about whom Moses... And all the Old Testament prophets spoke Jesus of Nazareth. This is an incident that you can read about in the Book of Genesis, chapter 28. It's the story about Jacob and Jacob's ladder. Okay, I used to think it was a a Russian uh, car, Jacob's ladder, but it's, it's the ladder, of course. And uh, Jacob is running away from home. He had uh, deceived his parents. He's frightened because his brother's after him. Description is given of the sun going down, dipping down at night, and he's out in the open. He scrambles together a few stones, makes them his pillow, and he lies down to sleep with his head on the stones. During the night, he has a dream. And the dream is of a a, a ladder that stretches between heaven and earth. And... uh, the angels are are going up and down this ladder. And at the top of the ladder, he sees God in heaven. And there's there's conversation that takes place. But eventually, as he wakens up, he makes this kind of thing. He says, You know, this is an awesome place. You know, God was in this place, and I didn't realize that. He says, you know, this is truly the house of God. And, and this place is the gate of heaven. And uh, in the morning, he sets up a little pillar uh, to kind of memorialize that experience. And he gives it a name. He calls it Bethel, which means the house of God. And, and, and this is what Jesus is making reference to. What does he mean? When he makes reference to this, greater things you will see, Nathanael. You'll see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That's him. He was, he was basically saying, "I, I am the answer to Jacob's ladder. I am the ladder. I am the ultimate ladder that will connect heaven and earth i am the connection between heaven and earth to use new testament language i am the mediator between heaven and earth so that there can be a connection where previously there just had been a vast expanse a massive gap now we're not talking geographically here about about a ladder that can be built physically from earth to heaven that's not the point the point is this, here we are living our lives, scrabbling around upon the face of this earth. You know, and in the way that we live, and in the way that we think, and in the motivation of our hearts, you know, there's no connection with the God of heaven at all. God in His greatness. God in His holiness and purity. There's a vast chasm between how we live our lives on earth and the God of heaven and what heaven is like. Can there ever be any connection between God and me? Can there ever be anything that brings us together? And this is where Christ comes in. I am a ladder between heaven and earth. If you come to me, the gate of heaven will open to you. And you can know God. The glory of God as a Savior and as a Father. And you can know the blessings of heaven. That is the greatest thing of all. And that is what Jesus is saying happens when you find him. And when you follow him, you're putting your feet on the rungs of a ladder that takes you to heaven. So the question for all of us today is, you know, we've sung one of these old hymns already about Joshua you know, fighting the battle of Jericho. There is another one, actually, that says, I am climbing Jacob's ladder. Are you you climbing the ladder today? Your foot on the rung? You come to Christ, found Him, following Him, the way to heaven, the gate of heaven, the house of God. I will dwell in the house of, of the Lord forever. You know, this idea actually about the house of God is taken up by Paul in one of his letters to Timothy. He's writing to his young prodigy and friend. And he says, you know, I'm writing these things to you just now, Timothy. I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing this to you so that you will know how you are to conduct yourself in the church of God. Which is the house of God Bethel the pillar and ground of the truth. What is the church? It's the house of God. What should be my response to being here? It should be like Jacob's. How how awesome is this place? God God is here and I wasn't aware of that. And there's a ladder. To heaven and a connection that I can have with God this is the, the house of God and so we recognize that coming as we do on a Sunday morning like this it's not a special interest it's not a hobby it's not a little club that we're part of it's not just what we've been brought up to do and it's just our routine. We come to meet god and we can only meet god if we have a mediator and there is only one mediator and that is christ you know there are no other ideas that take us to god there are no other religions that can take us to god a priest cannot be a mediator for me the church cannot be a mediator to me. There is only one mediator. And why is that? Because there is only one person who is both God and man at the same time. And that is Christ. He puts his hand in God's hand. He puts his hand in humanity's. And he can bring us together. There is only one mediator. You need to meet the mediator to be brought to God. So, Two more disciples join the numbers. They have found Jesus, or have been found by Jesus. And they begin to follow him. Two words, I think, which should sum up all of our responses this morning. Finding and following Jesus. Now shall we pray. Lord, thank you for this wonderful picture of the ladder. We pray that for all of us we might be climbing that ladder meeting Christ the mediator and coming to Christ we find God himself Lord thank you for the greatest discovery that we could ever make the discovery of knowing the Lord Jesus of finding him and of following him and so we pray for everyone who's here today and for the children that as we've come to your word we will find Christ there and we will find the one mediator between God and men. We commit ourselves to you. We thank you for all your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.